Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> And welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Welcome to the number one medical podcast on the internet. Do you you just declare that? I, I do. I frequently that. declare that. I don't think you can beat it. I don't know. I don't know what metrics you're using though when you I see I'm a scientist. Yeah. I like to back up my statements with evidence and this seems like a statement that you are making with no evidence. I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, That's science. I don't think I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure I'm, I'm right. right. Hey, listen, if it weren't for that sentiment, we wouldn't have a podcast. That sentiment has been a very <laughs> profitable one for us over the years, Sydney. <laughs> Humanity didn't have that that gut instinct that... Gosh darn it, they were right. Uh-huh. <laughs> then uh, we wouldn't have a show to do. You know, I think that's a good, that is a nice uh, transition to our topic this week. The, to go with a gut instinct that something seems right and run with it. That, uh, that's a pretty apt description of, of what I want to tell you about. Yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. So, I, first of all, I want to thank Robert, who sent us an email asking about this topic and inform, basically informing me that it existed because I had not heard of this specific sort of medical history moment before. I, I wasn't aware of it. And I, I think in part because what it ultimately will lead to is largely pseudoscience. But it was a really interesting story and I had never heard of it. And I guess uh, Robert's interest started when he uh, started investigating why so many houses from a certain period of American history have blue panes of glass in their windows. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's weird. I've never noticed that, actually. Well, apparently it must be true. Probably not here in West Virginia, but in other places. I, no, I've not seen much blue glass. No, but there was something called the blue glass craze. Blue, not blue grass craze. That's no. still happening. That's still happening, baby. We're living it. Are you and kidding me? Very much in West Virginia. Can't take that's a, all over West Virginia. Can't take a step of that tripping over a banjo. But the blue glass craze uh, was... You're going to be fighting to not say bluegrass. <laughs> I am. And for the rest of the show, if we say bluegrass, we mean blue, <laughs> blue glass. And if I do say bluegrass, I'll make a banjo noise or something? To Okay. So anyway, I want to tell you about this. I need to tell you first about Augustus James Pleasanton. Oh, that's a lovely name. Yes. Or AJ, if you prefer. To his friends. Okay. We'll be his friends. Yeah, we'll be buddies. A.J. Pleasanton. He was born in 1808 in Washington, D.C. His dad worked in the State Department. He was also a, a hero. He fought in the War of 1812. And uh, he was chief of the Lighthouse Department. 
Mm, a very important job. Got to keep those boats coming in. I, well, I just I just really like the idea that there was a point where we had a lighthouse department, like a, a a whole state department. There was the lighthouse department, and he was in charge of it. That seems like a really fun department to be in charge of. He's the guy at the bottom who's like yelling up, like, "How's it going up there?" They're like, "Good, it's on." He's like, <laughs> "Excellent, keep doing it." Yeah, I know, keep doing it. Keep it on. Yep, thumbs up. Well, we've talked about on previous episodes how important sailors were and like the shipping industry and everything. So, like, you got to imagine lighthouses were pretty darn impo- important. Important. <laughs> Just like proper pronunciation. What is the what, it's going to be a rough this, one today? What, what was the sailors thing recently where we talked about it's the reason we have some sort of um, insurance mm-hmm. or something? Like, what was that? Well, we talked about the beginning. Yes, because we talked about the the hospitals that they set up. Oh, right. For the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotcha. The, how that led to the, the creation of the public health system and then the Surgeon General. Yes, Surgeon General. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Sorry. I'm yes. getting, I'm getting distracted. Uh, I think the Coast Guard actually runs the lighthouses now. Seems like they're, like, they're in charge. They're, seems like a good fit. Yes. That seems like a good place for the lighthouse department to go. I think it was like, well, we talked about this. A lot of things that sort of shuffled around different government departments for a while. It was like in the Treasury. The Treasury was like the catch-all, I believe, because they only made three, and then they threw everything they didn't know what to do with in the Treasury. It was like the junk drawer of the government, and then they were like, we should make something new. Let's make a Coast Guard and put the lighthouses there. Anyway, AJ followed his dad's footsteps. He served his country. He was in the Pennsylvania militia. He once tried to stop some rioters in Philadelphia in 1844. Um, I only mention this because he got shot while that was happening, he does not die at this time. That would be a weird that would be a weird episode. Anyway, that's the whole bit. That's it. It has nothing to do with medicine. No, but he got shot and he forever had a musket ball in his groin. Mm. Just but, there forever. But that made walking through metal detectors really annoying. Well, you know in eighteen forty four they're probably I know they train dogs to detect metal. I know. I Sydney, don't I know. Think that's accurate. During the Civil War, uh he was appointed the rank of brigadier general of the Pennsylvania militia. And he basically worked to defend the city of Philadelphia. That was his, what divisions, his group, his club. That's not what it's called. I bet it. (laughs) My civilian-ishness is showing. I bet his dad (laughs) was very judgmental. Like, oh, nice. Defending Philadelphia. Get a lot of lighthouses there. Kind of an embarrassment to me, son. There's very few lighthouses in the, in the downtown Philadelphia. But there probably are lighthouses in Philadelphia, right? I have no way of answering that question, <laughs> and neither do you. And this is the exact thinking that got us into trouble at the beginning of the episode. Well, why don't I tell you more about AJ and you really quickly Google how many lighthouses are or aren't there in Philadelphia. Thank you. After serving honorably and returning from the military, he was bored, I guess. He was in retirement. He needed a project. That happens to so many people. My grandpa retired, and then he started a microfilming business. Yeah. So, you know, you got to have a project. AJ decided to get into two things. He had a couple passions. Have you figured out the lighthouse question yet? Yeah, they got some. Most notable seems to be the Turtle Rock Lighthouse, which is uh, built in 1887, to, which uh, it's a little bit after... Um, a little bit after the, his his tenure there. Although maybe he was walking around Philadelphia like, God, we could use a lighthouse down here. 
<laughs> There's something in my DNA that says to me, we need a lighthouse. So I am at the point where he has left the military and he's getting into other things. Yeah. Okay. So he liked growing and farming. Or maybe he just had to do it out of necessity. Either way, it was something he was going to Very be doing. He also liked colors. Mm, who doesn't? Much like my children. He liked colors. So I, I guess it was either like he could make one of those Fisher Price little people farms because those have growing and farming and they're very colorful. Mm-hmm. Or he could do something else. If he invented that. He would have been rolling in it. He really should have. Because, well, yeah, he would have made a lot more money. Except than he'd be he like, had. anyway, they're made of plastic. And he'd be like, be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I like the idea that he said they're made of plastic without, like, I don't know what plastic is or how to make it. I just know they will be made of plastic. I'm putting the big idea out there. I've got no way to achieve it, but I'm going to put the big idea out there. Okay, plastic was invented in 1862, so I feel very confident in my assertion that he, uh, that it hadn't really ramped up enough. I mean, maybe he heard about it in the... This is, yeah, this this would have been, so plastic was in existence. That is settled. (laughs) It would be so new. Why There's do people no, keep okay, asking if not, he made Fisher Price little people? He didn't. He folks. didn't. He you didn't have anything go. to do with plastic. This is not where we're going. He was investigating the health benefits of different colors. Okay. That is the interest he had. Okay. He he wanted to know specifically uh, different colors of light is is where he really sort of focused color in general, but like the idea of uh, light filtered through different colors, like panes of glass or something and the impact that could have on living things now this is before you've probably you're hearing this and you're thinking well so he was interested in chromotherapy yeah that is what that is Mm -hmm. the use of color to heal or treat or whatever right um it is not a it was not a thing yet this is before that was a thing there were previous like moments throughout ancient history where people had sort of talked about color as part of different health regimens and that kind of thing. But the concept of like chromotherapy did not exist yet at this point in history. You can find like some references in ancient Greek and Egyptian medicine. Um, To an extent, you could kind of compare some of chromotherapy to like the chakras, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not exactly what we're talking about either, right? The idea of just like here's some purple for your cough was not Here's some I don't know I don't know I don't know if purple is for coughs it's not it's not real medicine so it's they didn't teach me that yeah uh, Ibn Sina had discussed the importance of color in diagnosing different ailments and had mentioned a little bit of this sort of idea in his writings of like you know red is you've got to be careful with red colors but they because they can motivate the flow of blood and things like that mm. so like this idea that color had some physical impact on the body um it had been introduced but by the 19th century we had really like all of these sort of concepts of like color and its healing abilities and all that were were still very much linked to spiritual traditions of medicine which medicine was for a long time it was very very closely tied to spiritual beliefs um by the 19th century those were separating medicine was becoming a very empiric well, slowly, empiric thing, something in the physical world, something you could see and measure, and something quite detached from spiritual traditions. Got it. So when Pleasanton introduced these ideas of, like, color as some sort of medicine and 
the the impact that like looking at a color or being in bathed in a color could have on your body. This is kind of calling back to these more ancient traditions and sort of revolutionary at this moment. Um, if you can call something revolutionary that's wrong, can you do that? <laughs> is it revolutionary if it's also not going to work? Whoa. Yeah, revolutionary. I think, yeah. It flies in the face changes of- something. I mean, if it changes the way we do things, it's a revolution. So if we didn't used to think of bad thing and then we started thinking of bad thing, I guess it is in a sense revolutionary. So he he started working on experiments. I mean, he wanted to test his theory. He wasn't just like saying this was true. He wanted to actually try it out and see if he was right um, to see if different colors, specifically colored light, had any effect on living things. And the first color he chose to explore was blue. Why? I don't I don't know. Basically, the sky is blue. True. And that must be important for our human bodies. Why else would it be blue if it wasn't for animals for humans? And so we must be living in part because of the blueness that we're exposed to of the sky. And for more proof of that, compare how plants do in the spring and summer when there's lots of blue sky to how plants do in the fall and winter. When there's not. When there's not. Okay. Right? Yes. Which, it's so funny because this is like a perfect illustration of correlation. (laughs) Right. And not causation. Yeah. Like, it's, the sky is, you see more blue sky in the spring and summer, plants are alive, hence blue makes plants live. It's like every guys I've noticed every time we put on these incredible bikinis and, and bathing trunks, it gets hotter. It's like every time you see people in those, check the temperature, it's hot. And it's like if we want some nice months in December and January, let's get our bikinis on, let's get our our trunks on, let's get out there and then it'll be warm. <laughs> it always works that way. It's really fascinating because it's this idea that like if you if you did nothing else to plants but put them in a blue room, they would grow. I don't know if that would work or not. No. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, um, they, I bet they knew they still need the water. And, and well, and Pleasanton, I'm I'm saying this sort of in jest because Pleasanton obviously did know some things about growing plants, farming, yes. and and as we'll see, like tending to animals and crops and whatnot. Yeah. Clearly, he had some some other knowledge, so he knew that it wasn't just the blue. There were other things plants need, like dirt, water. Mm-hmm. Um, but the blue to him seemed to be an important part of life and health and growth and all that good stuff. It wasn't just the other things associated with those seasons. It was the blue itself, the color of the sky itself. So he decided to start experiments to prove this theory about blue. Mm -hmm. Uh, He started with grapes. So he had a greenhouse. Uh That's a bad start. Should have got a blue. (laughs) (laughs) He, so he put, panes of glass in the greenhouse some of them were like cobalt blue okay um and some were still regular old glass right because you got to have a control group and he sounds like science (laughs) so far sydney which like this must have been a lovely looking oh man greenhouse right wouldn't that be beautiful alternating panes of cobalt blue and transparent glass i bet it was a lovely building um and he grew grapes in it and some of them were bathed in this blue light some of them just got regular light and after months of observation it was pretty clear to him 
the grapes that were growing under the blue light were just better. Okay. They I mean, were like bigger and juicier and So it's settled. Lusher. What are, what are you what are you all <laughs> up in a fit about? Like it sounds like he's right and it's settled. So he You love science, right? Well, but that's just grapes, right? Like so he okay. he wrote that he wrote and it he, there's a whole book, I'm going to get to that, that you can read about this. So you can read exactly how he measured everything. But basically what he said was, the grapes are better. The blue grapes are better. My blue greenhouse grew better blue grapes than the clear grapes. But the grapes aren't blue. I can't stress this no, enough. They just look blue because of the light. But if you take them into the other part of the greenhouse with the clear panels of glass, they'll look regular. Because we don't really have blue food. We talk, We heard about this on the that episode of... Uh... Um, decoder ring decoder ring yes thank you excellent oh gosh that was frustrating yes so anyway the blue greenhouse grew better grapes the blue green (laughs) (laughs) the blue greenhouse grew better blue grapes so anyway he patented his blue greenhouse which is great like i'm on to that already good um but that's not enough he's not he's not going to stop there he's got more science to do and I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. But first, let's go to the billing department. Let's grow. Because the greenhouse, because. Oof. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones 50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash Sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the 
easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard and we have no advice but we do see you doing it. Honk if you like to do it. (laughs) Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, honk if you did it. That's what it was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we not ever make those? Those We did make them. I think they're still in the Max Fun store. (laughs) Honk, honk, you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Hong Kong. Toot toot. All right. So uh, our man Augustus just took a brief detour off of science to dip his toe into uh, commerce. (laughs) Had to get that patent Mm -hmm. real quick. Yep. And then back to work. So he started putting pigs in blue light next. Mm. Like I said, it wasn't just plants. He wanted to check it out on animals. So he raised pigs that we're exposed to like, and again, this isn't like a dangerous thing. It's just putting panes of blue glass in windows so that the light that filters through is blue. And so the pigs spend a lot of time because I, I guess maybe pigs lay around a lot, right? Yeah, seems like it. So like you could just like make don't, sure they're Don't pen. let Babe or Charlotte's Web fool you. These are <laughs> inactive animals. Uh, and he compared them to regular old lighted pigs. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever light, whatever light pigs usually like, Regular. a ring light or a spotlight yeah. or I don't know. Um, anyway, he compared them and he said the blue pigs win again. The, they're just better pigs. Um, the blue pigs win again. <laughs> so then he moved on to cows. Okay. And he did the same thing. Same design. Blue cows. Regular cows. Blue cows won again. They're better. Blue cows. Yeah, they just grow better. Like, and he wanted he wanted everybody to know, like, farmers and and grape growers, everybody. Hey, if this works for things as diverse as grapes and pigs and cows, oh my, <laughs> it will work for any living thing. So he started by giving like speeches, and he started targeting like the agricultural industry initially. That's like, a good place to start. Yes. We, I want you all to know about this sort of revolution and you could do this on your farms and in your greenhouses and you could also grow better things and sell them, I guess, for more money and, you know, everything would be better. But then it occurred to him, you know, if it works this great in plants and farm animals, what about humans? So he decided we needed to try these methods out on human beings and see if it also had the same effect on human bodies. So he tried it out on two patients. Okay. A mom who had just given birth to a baby that was early, premature. Mm -hmm. And they needed to stay in sort of – they were kind of staying in the hospital to – for the baby to grow and to sort of keep an eye on them both. You know, because back then we didn't have a ton – 
we weren't really great at taking care of premature babies yet. Right. Um, so they knew they needed to keep them there and watch them for a while and make sure everybody's going to be okay. And so one of the things he said is, let's keep them in a room with blue light. Right. right? Let's right. put some blue panes of glass in here. and I mean, Trust me, it works on light. pigs. Tr- yes, it worked for the pigs and the cows and the grapes. So it's going to work for mom and baby. And apparently they did really well, which is a great ending to that part of the story, regardless of the pseudoscience. I am really glad that that happened, but they did really well. And so he thought, okay, well, that's two humans. Let's try it on some more. Uh, So he also tried it on, there was like a chronically ill uh, woman who couldn't walk because of her chronic sort of uh, pain. And arthritis was the kind of picture I got from the description. Mm -hmm. Um, And he put blue light on her and then she could walk Mm. and her pain was gone. There was a guy who had like an arm that had rheumatism and he put his arm in blue light and it got all better and he was fine. Amazing. Uh, somebody had their baldness healed. <laughs> Someone else's <laughs> fertility was restored. Um, a lot of people would sleep under blue light and say that their sleep was so much better sleeping under blue light than I guess darkness. Okay. Lower back pain. <laughs> all the major ailments healed, fixed, cured, treated, completely better. Simply by putting, I mean, for the most part, by putting panes of blue glass into windows so that the light that filtered through was blue. Um, certainly, I guess there are other ways to expose people to blue, but that seemed to be the big the big way to do it. And he published a book on the topic in 1877. The title of this book is very long. I'm ready. The Influence of the Blue Ray of the Sunlight and of the Blue Color of the Sky and the subtitle In Developing Animal and Vegetable Life in Arresting Disease and in Restoring Health in Acute and Chronic Disorders to Human and Domestic Animals. Based on the novel push by Sapphire. (laughs) That's always what you say. I know it's one of my favorite jokes of yours. Okay, well, as long as you like it, I don't uh, That's fine. I don't care if I repeat myself. If it gets a laugh out of you, I'll keep doing it. Anyway, so he he wrote this book and published it. And by the time he actually published the book, I should say, like this had caught on sort of in the lay public. People were interested and intrigued and liked this. It was already out there from his speeches and like he had published like single sheet papers and stuff on it previously. And so word of this blue therapy had already spread, even though a lot of people had interest in it. The medical community, the scientific community was, I mean, skeptical. Yeah. 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 To to say the least. They were quite skeptical. But the public was enthralled. Everybody wanted in on it. And it seemed like something that you could have access to pretty easily, right? Like if you had the money, you could replace panes of glass in your windows with blue. And that is exactly what a lot of people did. The price of blue glass would increase like 50%. People were putting blue glass in there, not just like in hospitals were doing this, um, but like, and in farms, of course, in the agricultural industry, but also in just their homes, like we're replacing glass with blue glass so that all the time they would be bathed in this blue light. Um, They started making drug vials out of blue glass instead of, which is was actually one of the things that specifically upset a lot of scientists and got a lot more backlash is that for certain medicines, it's really important that they're stored in opaque Mm. vials. And they started making them out of this like pretty blue glass because it was the fashion. Reducing their efficacy. Yes. Um, So it was like bad. And so there were, there were a lot of articles written about it. it. It was, it was a very viral trend. And so all the papers were writing about it. And like, depending on who covered it, 
it was either with like some earnestness, like, huh, well, I don't know. Go for it. Seems like blue light's great and everybody loves it. (laughs) And then others who were like, uh, like specifically there was an article in the Boston Globe where they were like, this is ridiculous. And while it seems amusing, it's like basically we're running out of patience for this. And could everybody stop, please? This is ridiculous. (laughs) Um, The scientific community was pretty much united that this is nothing. Could you please stop with the blue glass? Yeah. Or if you must, at least don't don't do it to drugs. <laughs> anyway, just as quickly as it was popular, as with many viral trends, it faded. Mm-hmm. By the end of 1877, the same year his book was published, people stopped buying blue glass like that. Like I mean, burnout. Yeah. It was it it built. 1877, the year he published his book, was really both like the peak year and the end, like the, you know, and the year it started to fall off because he, he had already gotten that information out there mainly through the media and everything prior to publishing his book. Right. Uh, so it the, the trend vanished pretty quickly. There was so much backlash from the scientific community. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe it was that it didn't work. And so people kept doing this, spending all this money to put blue panes of glass to replace all the panes of glass in their house. And then it didn't do anything. <laughs> um Maybe it was that people just lost interest. Something else happened that was cooler or weirder or you could spend your money on to distract yourself. I don't know. (laughs) Green green light became green (laughs) green green light light got hot. A different color. Um, So anyway, the the ideas didn't disappear, even though the, the blue glass industry stopped making so much cash. The idea stuck because AJ inspired... Another young thinker, uh, a man named Edwin Babbitt, mm. who initially got his start writing books about penmanship, which is like a fascinating thing to write books about, yeah. by the way. I have to find these books. It's important. I'm worried. What do you write about penmanship other than here is good penmanship and here is bad penmanship? Do you and write you it? Do you think it's printed it? in your handwriting? Like, anyway, here's how I do it. If it's going to be about penmanship. You would think, right? There, there was a pit. The girls have this book, uh, tra- Charlie's handwriting textbook for school, uh, has a letter from the author at the beginning, which is like, okay, bud, <laughs> calm down. And this, and he puts his signature at the end, and it is absolutely maddening. It is insane. Like these, fu- it like flourishes on the H's and like L's that dip into the. It, it is absolutely just like, anyway, kids, here's how I do it. Maybe someday you'll get to my level. It's like, <laughs> we all have phones. Stop it. This is a waste of time. She had handwriting classes for the first half of the year, and then starting at Christmas, they just stopped. And I think that finally we all decided to, like, this is a waste of time. It is really interesting. I don't know. I don't have a strong feeling. I feel like we're going to get emails about this because I imagine that there are people out there who have really strong feelings about kids learning, like, cursive. Oh, don't even. Do you have strong feelings on this? I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to protest our kids learning cursive, but. I, I would say it's not among like the top things I need them to learn. They absolutely should know cursive. They should know how to sign I, their name. Of course, too. you have a strong opinion on this. Of course, I do. I'm a white man. I've got a strong opinion <laughs> about everything. Come on. We're gonna get emails about this. Whether I you know. want it or not, I got opinions coming out of my caboose. So, after he wrote these books about penmanship, he turned to spiritualism, mm. as you do. He prayed to be more interesting. <laughs> 
I'm I'm not telling you too much about this guy because I feel like this will be a whole other episode that we're, that we're leading into here. So he would then later award himself a doctorate of magnetism from his own school. You can do that? Of magnetism. Well, I guess if you start a school and then you graduate from it, yeah. <laughs> then you get your own How doctorate. How do you know when you graduate from your own school? Just like, I've gone as far as I can go here. <laughs> We're going to get a line, get a cape he and a, <laughs> a, a, a cap and gown. He also, he became a doctor of magnets, which like, I bet, I bet Insane Clown Posse wishes they knew. <laughs> they knew. That there were doctors of magnets out there who could answer their question. Dr. Magnet does sound like a fantastic, like, Green Lantern villain. Well, I mean, I'm already- Dr. Magnet. You'll never <laughs> stop me. There's already Magneto. Yeah, but Dr. Magnet is like DC's ripoff oh, of Magneto, okay. trying to cash in on it. <laughs> so, you know how, like, they can't, like, they made, they have to call Captain Marvel books Shazam because Captain Marvel's already a thing over in Marvel's. Neck of the Woods. Right. So those books have to be called Shazam, even though his name's not Shazam and never will be Shazam. And if you call him Shazam, you sound like a clown. Is his name Captain Marvel? His name's Captain Marvel. It's not Shazam. So DC made somebody named Captain Marvel? Yeah, the book's called Shazam. I know, but like there was already Marvel. Why did they make a book about a Captain Marvel when there already was Marvel and Captain Marvel and that fits? Uh, Sydney's is that because uh, Captain Sydney's DC Twitter handle is silly? at Sydney McElroy. No. <laughs> so if you would just tweet at her the answer to that, and take as many tweets as no, you like. No. There's no, there's no price tag on tweets, folks. Stretch no. out. Is it just because Captain DC sounds silly? Get deep into there. <sighs> go so all, many emails go I'm gonna all get the way back. No, I, no, I'm the one who reads them. So if you're yelling at Justin, just remember I'm the one who reads them. Well, I mean. You could start. I'm just going to forward them to you. Just start at EC Comics. Don't go any back any farther than that. 44 is as far back as we need to go and just walk Sydney so, through the entire history. So Dr. Magnets <laughs> um, wasn't, wasn't satisfied with this form of pretend medicine. He needed a new form of pretend. It's like the, he was like the, Gwyneth Paltrow of his time, basically, right? Like, he needed something new. And so... Drag COVID survivor Gwyneth Paltrow, Sydney. I am very... We have discussed this. I'm very glad that she survived COVID, and I encourage her to do whatever she personally feels helps her on her health journey. Just please stop trying to (laughs) sell it to other people (laughs) who are maxing out their credit cards to buy your shoes and necklace. Anyway, he started looking for something new, and he found a book. He found a very succinctly titled The Influence of the Blue Ray of the Sunlight and of the Blue Color of the Sky in Developing Animal and Vegetable Life in Arresting <laughs> Disease and in Restoring Health and Acute and Chronic Disorders to Human and Domestic Animals. And he was Is that the full title? Because I thought at the end it was was it was the was, <laughs> Anyway, so he found this book by AJ Pleasanton and he was inspired. And even though the blue glass craze had ended and AJ went back to I don't know, whatever, whatever he was doing. I'm not going to, I know usually I kill him off in these episodes. You're not going to follow him to the grave. I'm not, I'm not. AJ finished out his days doing something. Probably more experiments. <laughs> not relevant probably to our podcast. Something with grapes and cows and pigs, oh my. But uh, Babbitt took up the mantle. And in the following year, he published The Principles of Light and Color, including, among other things, The Harmonic Laws of the Universe, The Ethereo-Atomic Philosophy of Force, Chromochemistry, Chromotherapeutics, and The General Philosophy of the Fine Forces, together with numerous discoveries and practical applications. I blame AJ, actually, for that. (laughs) 
that because like Edwin looked at that as like I guess that's how you write a big one. I mean, I guess that's how you get a big hit. You got to stretch out the title. And following that, the next year, even after writing all that title in 1878, which like that must have taken the whole year, but he did it and put a book with it. Then he published The Wonders of Light and Color, including Chromopathy or the New Science of Color Healing. Better. In 1879. The Wonders of Light and Color, end of title. And then like maybe, so, I don't know. That I feel like he's getting there though. This This is the birth really of chromotherapy and- it doesn't work, but here is where it started. That seems uh, like, if you're going to talk about chromotherapy, it seems like a, in a future episode, it seems like a spoiler to tell us now that it doesn't work. Don't, well, don't we all know that, like, looking at the color red won't heal you? Don't we know that? Don't you know that, like, if your arm hurts, if you expose it to blue light, it doesn't help it? And I know you could get sort of pedantic about this and start talking about, like, blue light and exposure to screens. Yes. And our concerns, you know, on our Fair. eyes. But like this is a di- that is a, can we accept that that is different than yes. the idea that like standing next to a blue wall makes you feel better? Yes. And Fair. again, I am not talking about emotionally or spiritually. I am talking about physical effects of seeing a color on the human body. Yes. And we'll have to do an episode on chromotherapy at some point. But not now. Because now this episode no, is this episode is, is done. This episode is concluded and thank you so much for for listening to it. We sure appreciate you. Um, we got a book. It's the uh, the Sawbones book now in paperback with new content about quarantines and stuff like that. Please buy that book. Uh, we've also got uh, some cool merchandise. If you go to MacAllenMerch.com, you can find a uh, Sawbones um, Have You Think to Horseshoe Crab Today shirt. Um, you can find uh, probably some other stuff. On there too. That you all cure all cure nothing. We got our vaccine shirt, um, and uh, thank you for buying those. the uh, The vaccines products helps to support uh, the Immunization Action Coalition, which you can find more information on at immunize.org. They got a lot of great resources there. And thank you for getting your vaccine. Go you, get your vaccine yeah, if you get can. Your COVID vaccine if you're eligible. Um, I encourage everybody to do so. And I really love all the tweets we get. Showing me that you're showing us, I think of them for me, but I guess they're for you too, Justin. Uh, showing off that you're you've gotten your vaccine and you're part of the the charge towards herd immunity. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks to taxpayers also for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And uh, thanks to you for listening. It's going to do it for us. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.